Welcome to the Business of Being You podcast, a podcast about authenticity and the different ways people choose to be authentic. My name is Marco Benitez, also known as Coach Marco B. I'm a life and small business coach specializing in authenticity. In this podcast, you'll hear my conversation with people who in their own way are being authentic. My goal with this podcast is to inspire you to be yourself confidently, to motivate you to take a chance on your ideas and dreams, and to provide you with a new perspective on how your unique qualities could be exactly what you've been looking for to create a life or business that inspires you and others. Today, I'm having a conversation with Monica Lorenzo. Monica is a certified athletic trainer, entrepreneur, and founder of Romo Fit. She specializes in working with dancers and athletes of all types, and she's going to take us on a journey with understanding how fitness and overall holistic wellness could be something that you can incorporate in your life. So Monica, thank you for being part of this conversation today. Oh, thank you for having me. And thank you for that introduction. That was amazing. 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 That's so good. <laughs> all right. So I like to start with just the, the, the question which unites all of my episodes, which is what is authenticity to you? Uh, authenticity to me actually means being able to act from your true north and from that true soul voice that is within you. And that means no longer kind of just shedding the layers of really feeling that you need to, that your worth is tied to what other people think of you. And that really is, if you can start to really peel those layers away and not allow your self-worth to be in the hands of others and for you to truly understand that you are meant to be here on this earth with your purpose of, you know, nothing greater than just really being here alive on this earth, um, starting there, that's where your true voice really starts to become louder and louder for yourself. And that's where your authenticity starts to really shine from the inside out and life becomes better and easier and happier and more fulfilling and really rich. Love it. I agree with that a hundred percent. Now, I want to make a clarification because we're talking with you and you're an athletic trainer. Now, this is different than a personal trainer. Correct. Yes, All it right. is. Help me understand and for the audience, what's the distinction between the two? What are the differences in terms of uh, the work they do, the training that yeah. they go and who they work with? So athletic trainers are healthcare practitioners and we must attend a university that has an accredited program. So you have to, your degree will be in athletic training. So just like you can get a business degree on your diploma, it says athletic training. And then once you graduate with an athletic training degree, you have to sit for a board exam in order to get licensed to practice. And we practice under the supervision um, of a healthcare practitioner, meaning a physician. And we work alongside with all other healthcare practitioners. So we work alongside with physical therapists. We will work alongside um, physicians in their offices and athletic trainers are everywhere. So we specialize in injury prevention. We also specialize in emergency actions. So, you know, if you ever see like an athlete or a player go down on the field, the people that go out to respond to those injuries are the athletic trainers. And we then also um, diagnose injuries and we can rehabilitate orthopedic injuries from beginning to end. And the difference between personal trainers um, are they get the fitness education. So that's usually in a, cert a certification platform. Many personal trainers also have maybe a kinesiology degree, et cetera, um, but you don't have to sit you know, for a board exam or have a specific degree to be a personal trainer. And personal trainers, you'll see them more in the gyms building out you know, a gym, not even a gym, I shouldn't say that, they're actually everywhere, but a personal trainer will build out more of a fitness regime. And athletic trainers, we work more alongside 
mitigating injuries and making sure that there's a holistic practice. So we also have to evaluate illnesses and we also have to evaluate, you know, the full system of the body uh, to ensure wellness in the athlete. Right, right. I want to touch a little bit on how you got into becoming an athletic trainer because we spoke in the past and there's an important aspect of your journey in that you started off uh, your educational path in a different direction, somewhat related. Um, And then you decided to pivot because it just was not authentic to you. You felt a a stronger calling towards something else, which led you down to athletic training. So tell me a little bit more about that. I love this question because it really does resonate in, you know, listening to your true authentic self. So I grew up in New York city. I was a dancer for most of my life competitively. And then I attended a performing arts high school in Manhattan and the natural transition from that high school is to go to a dance conservatory and to earn your um, a degree in fine arts. But for me, I always knew that that wasn't resonating. Back in the day, the career ending injury really loomed over my head because I never saw the comeback story. So I always feared if I had a career ending injury, how was I going to take care of myself? You know, what, where would I work? How would I be independent and feed myself um, with a dance degree? So I expressed this concern to my ballet teacher at the time. And she said, well, why don't you think about physical therapy? If you ever choose to go that route, you can bridge your two worlds. And I had never had an injury. So I never had to experience any type of rehabilitative intervention. And I, I don't know, it just was like, oh, that's interesting. And as I started to research, I interned at a physical therapy clinic and I started to look at universities and I said, okay, I'm going to pursue this, but I still will dance. I'm going to stay in New York city. I'm still going to dance. And audition. And if I, you know, book a great job, then I'll go down the professional route, but at least I have a backup of this physical therapy education, you know, and if I choose to go that route, then that's great. And while I was interning at a physical therapy clinic, I was the physical therapy aide. The director mentioned to me, he said, you know, why don't you think about athletic training as your bachelor's degree? Because physical therapy at the time, well, still is, um, uh, of, a graduate degree. So my undergraduate was going to be in like biology. Mm. And so he said, why don't you think about athletic training for your undergrad? And then you can still, you know, go to PT school. It's a great transition. And I had never had any interaction with an athletic trainer at the time. So now I'm 17, 18 years old. And what's an athletic trainer? And um, he told me, and then he said, actually, you're a dancer. And we're really fortunate. We have the assistant athletic trainer to the Radio City Rockettes. She's on the other ship. This was during her off season. Wow. So he said, I'll introduce, I'll introduce you to her one day and, you know, whatever, take her from there. He said, you're already enrolled at Stony Brook University on Long Island, and they have an amazing athletic training program. So, you know, tick box. And that same day, um, the assistant athletic trainers that got to the Rockettes came in early to work. So we met that day and that was it. She took me under her wing, brought me over to Radio City. I clicked with the director there and she became my mentor. And I still work with her uh, to this day, many years later. And that was it. And once I, once I spent my time at Radio City and I saw what Elaine Winslow Redmond did with that, starting that program, transitioning from a dancer into an athletic trainer and then starting the first athletic training program of its kind um, in that environment, i I was hooked. I said, this is it. So it was an easy transition for me. I still danced a little bit. I still was doing the audition thing, but wasn't, you know, I would always make it to the very last call of the audition and never book the job. And I just started to become more fulfilled in helping these performers 
care for their bodies and learning about that was really lighting me way more up than, than performing. So to transition into athletic training was easy and I chose to stick with it. And I know that athletic training is my calling. So I never pursued the physical therapy degree, but I stuck with my athletic training degree and received my master's in rehabilitative science and, um, and corrective exercise specialist. I'm a corrective exercise specialist. So that was where I transitioned. And now I'm loving what I do. And I've been able to, you know, start athletic training programs for performing artists that never existed before in, in the NBA. And I have an amazing team of athletic trainers. You know, my mission when I started, you know, that transitioned into starting my company, Romo Fit. And I have a second pro athletic solutions. And um, we service NBA dance teams with athletic trainers. And I was the first to start that. And now we have a few teams, like I said, that are benefiting from care of athletic trainers. Whereas before they just, you know, if they got injured, it was, they were just kind of left to their whim to figure it out on their own. And now they have somebody caring for prevention of injury, responding to their injuries and illnesses, directly linking them with physicians and specialists that can care for them. And, um, and they feel safe and they feel like we can elongate their careers. So the mission for me was to provide dancers with care that they never received before and to provide athletic trainers jobs in the performing arts because they there are many athletic trainers that care to work in this environment, but the jobs are limited. So I've been able to follow that calling and succeed. And we're still growing. Right. Wow. Wow. That's the story. There's, there's a lot in there. There's a lot in there, <laughs> a lot in there. Um, one of the things that I, I like, I mean, you hit on a couple of big themes which have been coming up in a lot of the episodes. One of them is is the ability to pivot. And yeah. it, I, it, how difficult was that decision going from leaving dancing? Because that's that seems to me like a, a, a work of passion, you know, like you're really passionate yeah. about it. And I think that when we start to feel that maybe we're going in the wrong direction, there's a good amount of fear. Um, almost like you're standing at the edge of the cliff, you know, Correct. was it, was it scary for you in making that decision from going into dancing and then walking away into something more academic? Um, no, because for me, I absolutely, I can see that for me, it wasn't because I was still doing the two at the same time where I think that fear really calls in is when you, um, I had already started to see my trajectory going towards the athletic training. And I was feeling more fulfilled and successful in that path where I was trying to actually do both at the same time. So I was, you know, still dancing and auditioning and I just kept hitting a wall when it came to that. And then as I continued to express my interest in education and really dive deeper into the sports medicine aspect, I was thriving. So it did come to the point where I had to pivot and make the decision of where I wanted to go all in. And I chose athletic training. So that decision wasn't hard. The transition was hard because there's grief involved. I remember sitting and speaking with my, you know, with my, my dance instructors at the time and crying and saying like, this is my last year of competitive, you know, performance. And I'm not going to teach because I was teaching dance also still, and I'm not going to teach anymore. And so the transition was the transition was not easy, but the decision was easy, if that makes if that makes sense. Yeah. But I can you know, I think it's really hard when someone does find that calling and they take that bigger leap. For me, I had more of a transition, but I can see like there's been times when I've had to make a leap and I had to, you know, jump off the cliff. And that is when like fear really 
pulls in, you know, I, I like, let's say I put a job to pursue, you know, another, another position. Um, and doing that, that was, that was scary. Cause I was like, I don't know if I'm going to succeed completely here or, you know, letting go of some stability that I had with the job to really, you know, pursue entrepreneurship. That, that was scary. That was where like fear really was like slamming me in the chest. Right. But, right. you know, did so, you have, uh, did you have business training or entrepreneurial training beforehand or you learned it all on the spot bootstrapping baby uh, we've been figuring it out as we go along yeah yeah mistakes <laughs> um, mistakes. mistakes lots of mistakes right we're given an an administrative um course in athletic training like business right. in in athletic training but that's more about how to kind of like build out a space um how to budget you know to to start off like you're in an athletic training program an athletic training room so like there was luckily we were given a little bit of business but because i worked for the director at Radio City who started the program on her, she really mentored me when it came to that, working under a corporation. And then when it came, so I started the first program for the Knicks entertainment teams and that you know was within the Madison Square Garden Corporation. And then when it came into like starting my own companies, um, it really was just pulling on any resource that I possibly could. You know, you, when you're in alignment with what you're doing, the right people come into your path. And I was really lucky to get aligned with a good accountant at the time who then connected me with a lawyer who then connected me with, you know, with um, an insurance uh, broker because, you know, you need malpractice insurance and business insurance. And I was right. like, I don't know what that is. So I was really lucky to get aligned in the beginning with people who were willing to take the time to educate me and help me, you know, figure things out. But it's a lot of a lot of falling on my face, a lot of making mistakes, a lot of like wasting money in places that, you know, didn't need to money didn't need to be spent, but realizing like, you just keep going. Right, right. One of the things is like I mentioned, there was a lot in what you said before. One of the other themes that came up that you said, which was very important is you got connected with the right people. And you said something which has also been coming up often, which is when you're in alignment with what you want, you know, I'll say that the universe places people in your path, you know, it'll, it'll, sure. it'll open the doors for you. And, you know, I think it was Oprah that says, uh, Oprah said, I don't see failure as failure. When I see failure happen, she says, I see it as God's way of letting you know that you're moving in the wrong moving direction. In the wrong direction. Yeah. 1000%. I was yeah. aligned with the wrong people too. Like, I'll be honest with you. And those were lessons for me as well. So I wasn't just introduced to the right people. I was introduced to the wrong people. And I think like, like you're saying, that's, that's not, failure is tough to, you know, failure, I think the word is fine, but I don't have a negative connotation to failure, if that makes sense. I mm -hmm. never, I, I don't think I ever did. I've, I've realized now later, later in life and in reevaluating where I am now and becoming more authentic and really following my true North, I realized in certain areas where I definitely, um, was fearful of failure, but completely unaware that that's what I was fearful of failure. Right. And for me, you know, but yes, I totally agree that, you know, failure is just rejection is protection. I, I always love that tagline. Like if something doesn't really work out for you, then it wasn't, you know, wasn't meant for you. And I believe what's right. meant for you will not pass you. And what's not meant for you will, will dissolve. Yeah. If yeah. you like, we let, you gotta let go sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the most difficult things to do because Absolutely. We, be we become so attached to our vision of how we're supposed to get to our goals, you know, and you can't, 
No. We really can't. Yeah. You know, I have, I have, did I ever envision starting, you know, anything that I've done? No. All I had the vision of was I want to be an athletic trainer for dancers and athletes, um, you know, maybe your unconventional athletes. So I also have, you know, through Romo Fit, I work with clients who are in their 70s who couldn't even wow. balance on one foot. And wow. now they're doing like 50 little mini single leg squats and, and hiking Patagonia with their wives because they're now retired and they can go on these trips, you know? So wow. I'm not working with just dancers. I'm working with your, your average person who is just trying to better their lives and elongate their physical, their physicality and their wellness and their holistic, you know, their holistic wellness, which includes mental wellness, you know, they're happier, their, their cholesterol is down because they're moving their bodies and, and, you know, and in those sessions also there's conversation. Like we talk about life, we talk about so many other things, which is just connection. And that human connection is part of holistic care also. So I never envisioned any of this. Like I never, all I knew is that, that I just wanted to help people. And I wanted, and I had, a, I had a niche of like a target audience. Um, but I just said, yes to a lot of things and things worked out and things didn't work out. But all of those yeses, like led me down these paths, you know, a yes to start Romo Fit Inc was, you know, just communicating with the physician and, and spending time shadowing him in his office a few times. And then we just connected and he was like, I like what you do. I want to refer patients to you. And I said, all right, well, like, let me figure out the, you know, the medical, the logistics of that. So the liability of it. And that's how I started Romo Fit Inc was a physician wanted to start working with me. And I said, all right, well, so let me, let me legitimate, legitimize myself in this company right. so that, you know, I'm safe and I'm practicing, you know, legally. And that was it. And that's how I started working with private clients and, and working, like I said, in the arts was, I just had a vision of, of starting a program like Elaine Winslow did for, for the Rockettes. And I had like a blank business plan. Cause that was part of our education. And when the time came to start the program for the Knicks entertainment teams, like I had her, but I could plug that in. It was like, I was just ready for whatever, right. you know, I was just, I was ready. I was ready for the unexpected. And that is part of our athletic training. When you're an athletic trainer, you're taught to be, you know, to expect the unexpected and to be prepared for everything because we do respond to emergencies. So we always, you know, we're taught to kind of like be able to respond quickly. Right. And I think that that translates also to business, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, you cannot be stuck on exactly how you're going to achieve your dreams. I think you have to get in tune and feel and be okay with declaring your dreams. I think that's a, you know, a conversation also, like sometimes people are scared to even declare what their dreams are because they don't feel worthy enough of them. And that's another definition of authenticity and really um, claiming your authenticity is to define your dreams and own them and not be ashamed of them if they seem different or, you know, maybe not what your family wants of, for you or blah, blah, blah. You know, I can give an example of that. My goddaughter, she's seven years old and she is a spirit. And she loves, she says all the time, I want to be a hairdresser and I want to do makeup and I want to do all these things. And, and her grandmother, my best friend's mother is, you know, a little bit on an older old school mentality. She's constantly like, no, 
no, that's not good. And where my best friend, who is the mother of my goddaughter, is constantly saying, like, absolutely not. She can follow, you know, whatever dream. If this is what she wants to do and that's her dream, then let her dream on. Like, she'll be fine, you know. Um, So declaring your dreams, no matter who in the world says anything, yay or nay, is a definition of, you know, following your authentic path. And once you do that, then you have to let go. Like you said, let go of, you know, yes, putting action steps in place to go towards those dreams, but then like letting go of what the story and the actual path is. Cause you can't, you can't control it. You cannot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you touched also on something very important and not in so many words, you basically made a decision to be of service to others. 100%. Your, your, your goal, when you were saying your story your goal wasn't, hey, I want to be the richest athletic trainer. It's I want to be of service. I want to provide the best care. And all of the riches and all of the stuff that that is it's a side effect of your work. You know, it is. and I think that sometimes people invert the pyramid in placing the the what is it? T D Jakes calls it the the provisions. T D Jakes says, Don't chase the provisions, chase yeah. the service, and the provisions will chase you. And I can tell you at times when I did chase the provisions and I tried to kind of force my business and force things in a way for money, it did not work out. It did not. I was met with so much resistance. Um, I was exhausted. It was, it did not work out. So when I was able to let go and go back to that core of I'm in service is when doors would open again and things would start to flow again. We're yeah. human. We're going to want the provisions. Listen, we want to make money, mm-hmm. but that can't, that can't be the sole focus, you know, like own it. Hell yeah. Do I want to be a bajillionaire? Yes, of course. Like, duh, who doesn't? <laughs> that's security. That's freedom. That's, you know, a sense of freedom. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not going to say like, <laughs> no, I don't know, but that's not what gets me up every day. For me, that's not my, that's not what, for my authentic self, that's not what gets me up every day. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's where the focus is on. It's where the focus is on. And you mentioned that you, you made a decision to, to do something of service. Oh, they just wanted to do it. It was fascinating for you. It was authentic. You were passionate about it. And um, I really think there's a bigger conversation, a longer conversation about networking, uh, because you, you just gave the perfect example and that you met one person and she shortened your timeline absolutely yeah yeah i wonder if you had never met her how would your timeline have turned out would it have been a little bit different would it have taken you probably would have gotten who to knows? the same place but who, how long would it have taken you but that's the power of networking that's it the is. power of networking and that also speaks to the authenticity and that also speaks to being of service because people don't want to refer you and recommend you to other people if you're that needy, greedy, looking to make a quick sale kind of person. Because that's no. the reputation on the line. You have exactly. to be authentic. And it's that authenticity that allows you to attract people to yourself and allows them to feel comfortable in sharing what you do with others. Correct. Now, I want to get into a little bit of this holistic wellness because I Let's think this it. first part of the conversation was really great. And um It really serves to reinforce, and I hope to motivate people to realize that there are so many different ways that you can be of service and still be happy with what you're doing, and you're going to connect with people. You work with, essentially, you work with celebrities, right? Because you're working with the Nick City Dancers, right? Yes. 
Tell me about that first experience. <laughs> I guess I never looked at them as celebrities, uh, but they are little celebrities. They're Any, anybody that shows up on TV is a celebrity. I was a celebrity once. I was passing by in front of a bodega while someone was doing B-roll on the news. So I was there you a, go. Fifteen minutes, fifteen seconds of celebrity. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> a little fame doesn't doesn't. Hurt. I, oh, yeah. I'm not. I'm not ashamed of a little fame, but. Um, <laughs> Um, working with the Nick City Dancers, I was ecstatic. I was nervous. Like, I literally was like, I'm going to fake it till I make it right now. Like, we're just going to strap up and we're going to go. I was confident enough in my skills that I knew that I could, you know, do the job. But, um, but I obviously wanted to impress them. And just, I remember being so excited, definitely nervous, but like really just stepping in there, putting my professional hat on and just you know, I was like, I'm going to take care of these women. And, and I had, you know, I had to win them over this. They had never encountered somebody taking care of them before. And they thought that I specifically remember actually it was like my second day in there in their dressing room. And listen, when I'm telling bootstrap, bootstrap, like I had a, like a treatment table in the shower stall of the dressing room. Like there was, this was not fancy. Like I'm trekking huge kits through the streets of Manhattan. Like this <laughs> sweating like this was not I when I mean bootstrapped I have bootstrapped um that is not fancy at all and uh I remember one of my the dancers kind of whispering to another another dancer saying like I think I might have a stress fracture in my tibia like just because she thought that I was going to take her off the court and not dance and so I had to win them over and make them realize like I'm here to keep you on that court the only time I will ever take you off that court is if you are in danger of you know of, of mortality and like if you're real or if you're really in danger obviously of really truly injuring yourself but the reason i'm here is to keep you on and to keep you healthy and to keep you going and we have to get you through a season we get you through a season with a minor injury and we rehab it afterwards like you are no different than than those basketball players that are on the court with the, that are playing with the sprained ankle because they're okay they're getting pre-care they're getting treatment during the game and post-care and you know like you are just as important as they are and you don't have to suffer for your sport anymore. You get to actually, you know, be at the same caliber as those athletes that are getting paid millions of dollars because you're putting in the same, if not more, training and hours and dedication. And, you know, so that was, that that's what it was like going in there. I was like, I'm gonna make a difference. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Did you find it challenging working with these larger groups? Because it seems like everyone might have their own way of, you know, working out or, or, or some are a little bit more ambitious and aggressive than others. Did you find it difficult working with a larger group? Um, than one-on-one, -on -one, you, you mean? Yeah. Than working on a one-on-one -on -one class? It's different. Um, I think my background in teaching dance classes allows me to communicate to a large group of people easily. Um, but, and because they're, they're a team, that's what kind of makes it cohesive, right? So what's more difficult at times is to collaborate a large group of individuals, but because these are a team of dancers who dance as a team and dance as a unit and their chemistry with each other is part of their job, um, it makes it a little bit easier to cohesively work with them together because the message and the goal that we're all on the same goal plane, right? So if, but it, when you're working, let's say with a larger group of people who may all have different individual goals, that makes it a little bit more difficult. So for me, um, like I'll try and keep, if I'm working with, let's say independent clients rather than the professional, the professional athletes, um, I'll keep those groups a little bit smaller because I want to make sure that I'm giving them individualized attention because it is difficult. It's like, you know, 
you've seen a fitness class of like 200 plus people, like you're not getting individualized care. You're out there, you're out there for, for the masses, but that's where, that's where my, my Romo fit platform on my social media, really, that's the second mission is to start to provide more, um, awareness, body awareness and biomechanical awareness to your everyday, everyday athlete, you know? So right. that you can go and take these classes, let's say a group session and know how to properly squat, know how to assess your own body to know where your limitations are, where your inflexibility is, or where your weaknesses are in your musculature um, that may predispose you to injury. So um, through my Instagram, RomoFit, um, and I'm kind of building up my blog on my website a little bit more to provide. There are some really good videos there, um, but I want to build them up a little bit more are providing these like self-assessment tools so that you can evaluate your own body and, and understand, you know, what you may need. Because a lot of times I've taken, you know, here in New York City, there's all these awesome fitness classes, but I've been in plenty of them where I'm watching people with terrible form and the instructor is not correcting them because they can't, like, it's just too much for them to do, to, to coach the class and individually provide somebody with, you know, with corrections. And so I'm over there, like having this internal freak out. I have to just put my blinders on because I want to help them so bad, but I can't because it's not my class. Right. Um, so that's what inspired me also, you know, to transition on the public platform. Like, how do I, how do I expand the people that I talk to? So I think this is what you and I wanted to kind of dive into a little bit more is like, how does the typical person take the time to, to understand their own wellness? And that, you know, if you follow my platform on RomoFit, um, I can, I'll, I'll teach you, you know, how to assess your body. Right. And that's actually what um, initially uh, kind of motivated me to reach out to you because we had yeah. been in touch before and, and you started posting more now about just like what you were saying, correct form and isolating certain muscles. And that's really where I started to see how we could correlate this with uh, this holistic wellness and authenticity, because there are people that want to do um, fitness, they want to be well, they want to have just the overall wellness plan for themselves. And, right. and I think that it's challenging for many people, because when I was in, in, in primary care, I remember telling my patients, okay, you have to exercise. And they said, well, what do I do? And I said, well, you know, I say, just be physically active, be physically active. Cause if I say, uh, you know, do only exercise, then you're going to think of the, the treadmill at the gym. Right. But I think that the, the, the lifespan of a person at the gym for the general public probably is about it's slim. two to six weeks two to six weeks. And I would explain to them that if the gym was for everyone, there would be no room in gyms because the entire community would be aggregating ah. to that one area. So I would tell my patients just to be physically fit. I said, if you like to hike, go hiking. If you like to, to swim, go swimming. If you want to, if you like to dance, sign up for salsa classes or something like that and incorporate it. So um, I liked from what you were mentioning on your, on your Instagram, uh, that you were showing these different exercises and, and you elaborate. And I like the education because you were going right into the muscle groups. Um, yeah. So what tips do you have for the non-athlete to begin to create a, a holistic wellness plan for themselves? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So the first starts with, you know, making sure that you're getting your annual physicals, right? So getting a general overall sense of where your health stands, right? So for for someone who if you don't know if your cholesterol is well, like, you know, you need to know where maybe your target goals would be. So get your baseline first, um, because if you have a cardiac issue that you, that's underlying and you don't know about it and you try to start training for a marathon, like we're asking for a problem. Yeah. So 
it's important to get a baseline for your health, number one. Um, number two, it's like you said, listening to your authentic self, like what makes you happy? You know, I don't love to cycle. So I, I have tried to take a million cycling classes and I've tried to cycle and it never brings me joy. So I'm not trying to cycle. I'll only go like to support a friend once in a while. Right. Number one's your baseline. Number two is what bring you, brings you joy. And number three is to diversify, right? So it's important to make sure that you have a strength and resistant aspect and that you aren't just, let's say, pounding your body in a cardiovascular sense, like let's just by just running, you know, you really have to have a multitude of different forms of exercise. So making sure that you're getting some type of resistance training, it's so important for your musculature, it's important for your, for your bone density, it's important, it strengthens the heart and the mind um, in a different way than let's say running and cycling and like long endurance sports. So it's important to have a balance of the both. And endurance sports could even mean like you lift a few weights at home and you like to go for a long walk. It doesn't mean that you have to run a marathon. So there's the range as well. People right. think like endurance, they're like, oh my God, I have to run a marathon. It's like, no, just go for a walk around your neighborhood. Like that's perfectly fine. And go until you're tired if you can, or throw on a podcast and just go for the duration of the hour. So those are my three, my three pointers. Get your baseline of your health, then choose some activity that brings you joy and then diversify. And make sure you're getting some resistance. Like you should feel a little winded. You should feel maybe a little bit of soreness when you first start lifting weights. You shouldn't be in pain for more than two to three days after after um, lifting weights. Soreness when you're in your soreness window, it's um, 24 to 72 hours. So if you're feeling pain in your body after those three days, that's consistent and isn't getting any better, then you have an injury to your tissue or your bone or your musculature. But if you're just kind of feeling some aches and pains in the first two to three days of performing a new activity, let's say, that's totally normal. Like, don't be scared. And it's okay to continue to kind of move through that and, and work with it. So like you can lift weights again the next day. If you're a little sore, don't overdo it. You can go for the walk. Like, because the more you sit and rest, through that time frame, then you may just be prolonging your your resistance and your resiliency and gaining strength in your in your body. Right, right. For um, so you mentioned some resistance training. Is this something that always requires weights? No, it could literally just be your body weight against gravity. Just getting on the floor and just doing more repetitions, kind of up against a wall, pressing up against a wall provides some resistance. Um, also, just sometimes grabbing. I actually have a towel next to me, so sometimes grabbing a towel and just pulling on the towel or pulling on a scarf provides resistance against something. So when you can, let's say, pull on a scarf with your arms and then press that straight forward, you're providing more resistance than you were if you were just pushing through air. So simple solutions. And they can get all so these simple. tips on, uh, on your Instagram. And I've seen them. Yeah. And there's some videos. I, I even have like an hour long workout in some of them. And I also have like recovery practices, you know, teaching people how to do myofascial release and and understanding the difference in all in all of those different regimes. So for the person who feels that they're called to be uh, an athletic trainer or work in that space, what advice do you have for them to get started? Great question. So the first thing, um, a great resource is the National Athletic Trainers Association online. So nata.org is a great resource um, that can start to direct you into where you would want to go. So you would have to start, obviously, you cannot pursue a degree in a, a career in athletic training without receiving a degree in athletic training. So you would have to make sure that you're aligning yourself with the university that has an athletic training program. And so starting that path can be through the National Athletic Trainers Association. And then there's also the board of certifications, boc.atc. Um, 
that will align you with schools and universities that have programs. So that's where you would start to go in that route. Um, and then automatically in intro to athletic training classes, you have to start kind of interning and, and getting yourself involved in the athletic training field. And right off the bat, you'll figure it out if it's right for you or not. Um, you, you, they, you get your feet dirty immediately. So we touched on it a couple of times during our conversation, but uh, let's just remind the audience, how can people follow what you're doing, uh, get in contact with you? Yeah. The best place to find me is on Instagram, Romofit, R-O-M-O-F-I-T. Um, and I also have a website as well. And you can email me through that website or shoot me a DM. And those are the best places to find me right now and to communicate with me. I'd love to hear from you. Excellent. Well, Monica, thank you so much for being a part of this episode. And I really enjoyed the conversation. And I know that our audience uh, is going to now have a lot more information about uh, what the athletic trainers do. I know I learned a lot. Personally, I thought that it was orthopedic surgeons that were running out onto the field when someone got injured. Now I know they're trainers. Now and, yeah. and, I, know, and, I, know, and I know one personally. There um, you go. <laughs> so thanks again for being part of the episode. I really appreciate it. And uh, for those of you out there watching and listening, uh, if there's any questions that you have regarding athletic training, or if you want to share your story on how you incorporate holistic wellness into your life, Leave it in the comments below. Again, my name is Marco Benitez, also known as Coach Marco B. I'm a life and small business coach specializing in authenticity. If you feel that you want more information, support, or one-on-one -on -one coaching around authenticity, feel free to reach out to me on my website, coachmarcob.com. And that's be like boy. Thank you so much for listening and watching this episode. And remember to mind your business, the business of being you.